Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Ball Nation. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Kerberson, joined with Reed Bacon. Got a great one today, breaking down the Alabama game. We did lose, but there were so many good things about it. There were so many highlights that we go over. What we thought of the offense, what we thought of the defense, where we see Heupel ranks versus the other head coaches we've had in the past. And how we're going to look moving forward. What is this Kentucky game going to look like two weeks from now? Uh, so great pod. And uh, let's jump into it. By the game. Snap. The kick is in the air. And the kick this time is no, sir, Reed. No, sir, Reed. Final score. Tennessee 20, Florida 17. Pandemonium reigns. Loads up. Fires long for the end zone. The pass is going to be caught. Tennessee, Tennessee wins. by Tennessee. Jawan Jennings. Jennings makes the catch in the end zone on the Hail Mary. Down at the 35, to the 40, to the 45, to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. What did he do? All he did was score. Joey Pitt. Touchdown on play number one. So before we get into the podcast, got to shout out our number one sponsor, betonline.ag. I say it every week, but that's the place to go to bet on anything. Now that the you know NFL season has started, college football has started, everything is even more exciting when you bet. So if you're looking for the place with the best odds, stats, lines bet online is the place to go um you know go to betonline.ag now or use your mobile device and you'll receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit so it's the place to go i mean you can't get better than that 50 percent welcome bonus um so before the next big game go to betonline.ag sign up today bet online your online sportsbook experts. All right. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, I think we'll just start it how we usually start it. Reed, how's your weekend gone, bud? How you doing? I was about to say, how you doing? That's what you always say. Reed, how you doing? <laughs> um, let's, let's, let's say this. So we took a loss. Once again, I knew we – I mean, I probably should have had a little bit more faith in this team. And the reason I didn't have a little bit more faith in the team, meaning they played a little bit better than I expected, and that was only because of injuries, was what I was a little bit worried about. Um, I mean, but, we literally didn't know if Hendon was going to play or not, so that makes a correct, huge difference. Correct, correct, mm-hmm. But to answer your question, weekend, nice weekend. Actually went to Mass on Saturday before the game. So that was nice, kind of like nice little calm before the storm and then got, got to sleep your in the morning. Uh, yes. <laughs> now, here's a couple of things we need to talk about. First off, massive Titans win, two Titans wins. So last week, it was Monday night, 
awesome game. And I had a feeling, I had a feeling how we were going to play. Like, that's what the Titans do. If you all are Titans fans, then you kind of know they always lose one or two they shouldn't. And then they always end up winning a couple that some people don't expect. The so damn Jets, man. Good. I couldn't believe that. Yes. I know. Well, the thing about the Jets is we didn't have AJ and we didn't have Julio. Yeah. So they literally just packed the box, played man to man, tried to make us beat us. But, anyways, to come back and beat the Bills and to have freaking our defense swarming like that and big Jeffrey Simmons, boy, that boy eats. <laughs> I love Jeff. I love him. I love him. I love him. I love how David Long plays. I love how the whole defense playing. And then we go to Thursday night and the old fighting Irish. The Knoxville Catholic. We don't get to play anybody around Knoxville because no one wants to play us, I guess, because they said we're, we recruit or it's not fair or we're just too good. So we got to travel all over the freaking America. You know how pissed you and I would be if last year we were on that team and we had to go to Memphis twice back to back weeks? Dude, I would have been driving to Memphis. There's no way. There's no way I would have played a good game having to drive to Memphis and do that. I, there were times in college where we would stay an hour outside of Athens or an hour outside of – we'd stay in Birmingham, not Tuscaloosa, and have to drive an Wait, hour. Why is before. that? The, dude, don't What's get the me – do not get me started. It literally is like a – they started this deal with the hotel back in like the 70s, and they've just like kept it the entire time. So they just always stay in Birmingham back when there wasn't any hotels in Tuscaloosa. So it's like – because well, they of that used to deal. play, but they used to play in Birmingham. Well, yeah, I no, guess. They also that, used to play in Birmingham. So then it's like we stay in Birmingham, we drive an hour right before the game, an hour to Tuscaloosa. And I absolutely hate it. I'm like, what am I in freaking high school again? Like, can we not do a little bit better here? Like the, the fact that we have to drive before the game starts, I hate it. So was that ever the what you played it? You played down in Tuscaloosa what twice or three times, and you had to do it how many times? You got to do it every time, or do they still do it now? Yes, there's no way they've changed it because it was. It's all about like the hotel, the deals with the hotels that they've gotten. So like, Alabama was that way. Tell the hotels to suck me. That's crazy. <laughs> I know Alabama was that way. Um, I think Georgia might have been that way. Um, oh, just all the big games, no big deal, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just the ones that matter. But, like, Florida, we were in Gainesville. South Carolina, we're, we're there. We're in Columbia. You know, Vanderbilt, we're in Nashville. Like, most of them, we're there. But there was a couple games where it's like you have to drive an hour before the game starts. And it – man, it was the absolute worst. But, yes, I agree with you. If we would have had to drive to Memphis in high school, I would have been pissed. There's no way I would have played a good game. Droggy as hell, driving eight hours. Well, and it, well, well – well, the thing is, the thing is, they did it back to back weeks last year. Like they went down there, won, had to go back down again and play it again. And the thing is, is, like I drive to Memphis all the time. So in a car, you know, I can do it in five and a half to six, maybe six fifteen, depending on traffic, depending on who's all in the car, how many times we got to stop and pee, all that freaking nonsense. Females, just kidding, we love you, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. So so the fact that so the fact that you know, they had to do that. And now we, we have to travel to Chattanooga. We've had to travel to Nashville, finally. And I, I know there's people probably listening to this that either went to Powell or they like Powell or whatever. I personally don't like Powell because when I, I think I've said this on here before, 
that when I was in college, I worked at Court South off Merchants Road, and everyone there was big pal this, pal that. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. You guys don't play anybody. Like, you're not any good. So now that they have this Coach Lowe over there and they have the Jordan jerseys and all this, whatever, you know, like, it, it's just so lame. And then so it's like we go over there and we show up. We got a freaking freshman quarterback that has a cast on his hands. And we go over there and we actually started to choke the game and let him get back into it. But Tommy Winton, you know, out there balling on people, three touchdowns. That did, I don't know if you even saw the catch that he made to win the game, but he I caught did. it. And it he dropped up. down in between yeah. his legs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was sick. It Insane. was sick. Anyway, he caught that. And then to wrap this up, to finish this up, the Titans, I mean, today the game was over at halftime. And I literally watched all of it just to make sure there's no injuries, you know, whatever. Like they didn't want to be there after halftime. We knew we won the game. Basically, when we came out and we stopped them and drove down and like handled it was it was done. It was over. So two huge Titans wins, a nice Knoxville Catholic win. And now I actually am very excited to talk about this Bama game. When I was a little nervous to thinking this pod was going to be kind of annoying, but I've got three pages of notes and I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, before the game, you're thinking, you know, Tennessee might get blown out and then we also have a bye next week. So it's like hard to, you know, think about what we're going to discuss on here. So now that they put in a good performance, it feels – like, there is definitely a lot of talking points. We'll say that. Um, and before we get into, you know, offensive, defensive break, breakdown like we usually do, I want to talk about things that aren't necessarily on the field. First, and I love the fans out there. I, honestly, you guys are the best. I just got over 3,000 followers on Twitter. So, very happy about that. Um, just getting buku retweets and likes on my uh greg McElroy tweet which is just like because that's exactly what i wanted out of it and i want to talk about that greg McElroy, by the way McElroy, whatever who gives a crap he's, he's a second a rate quarterback if that the only reason that yeah. he has a name is because he went to alabama i i mean you know what i do not know who is worse jordan rogers or him but it, it, they just both have to be from freaking Bama and Vandy, like the the two most annoying schools out there. Um, but I, that is honestly like some of the worst like homerism I've I've seen on broadcast on a game. I mean, sometimes those CBS guys and Gary Danielson will just you know praise Alabama and praise Georgia and Florida. Oh, they're so good. Oh, my God, I love them. And then every time somebody else does something good or scores against them, it's the biggest shock in the world. And how can this happen? Oh, my gosh, what? They scored a touchdown? Hey, guess what? They're freaking college players, too. They're good athletes. Some of these guys are five stars just like your guys are. So – Shut your mouth. Give them props when they do something well. And just be unbiased. Like, if I was an announcer, I would tell ESPN, like, hey, listen, I can't do Tennessee games. I literally can't. Because if I do them, you're going to hear me, like, scream in the booth of excitement when when they score. So you're going to have to take me out. I can do all the other ones, but not this. So just – nepotism 
Aronism, if I could pull out a quote from, uh, oh, brother, where art thou? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I just put it more, I put it more on, on uh, ESPN. Maybe in another five, he is somewhat pretty, he is removed from the program for, what, 10, 8, 9, 10 years now. So I get it. But, like, we still all know he played quarterback there. So it's like maybe wait till it's a little bit, you know, more down the road, maybe when Nick's not there anymore because that's who he played for and he's probably still around the program. But I have a story, a real quick story about Greg McElroy. And I, I can't stand the guy because because of this. So I used to date a girl in high school who her brother played for the University of Alabama. And so I was around that program a good amount, like going down to travel with them, going to the different games, whatever. First off, I got to meet Saban. Dude is like the smallest human I've ever met. But for how small he is, like he does radiate like this like persona. Yeah. Now, second off, I met I, I was around, like I said, a bunch of the players and Greg was one of them. And I don't know what year this was. I don't know if this was. Well, I know what year it was. It was 2010, but I don't know if he was going to be the starter yet. But I show up. At this family, this girl's uh, that I dated, they had a house down in Tuscaloosa. And I show up, and her brother's there, and Greg McElroy's there. Well, the reason that we were going down this weekend, it was in the off season, and we were going down to do play some of the Robert Trent Jones golf courses. So it was my dad, my uncle, and her dad. And we would go down and do this thing. We did it for a couple years. And we show up, and we're talking to the, the brother. Well, like I said, Greg's there. And just how he acted in front of adults – my, like I said, my dad, my uncle, and and uh, the 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 dad of the son, and uh, I was just like, man, like he's just like really full of himself. And I get it; he was probably only 18, 19 years old, maybe maybe twenty, twenty one. But I at the time was eighteen, and it made me feel uncomfortable. Like I knew different. But what he did was, is he starts telling a story about when he was being recruited by Old Miss. And it's the, the real quick of it. He's like, yeah, like I was with my girl and she was to taking me around and we went to a movie and, you know, we sat in the back row and she started like touching on me and da, 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 da. And he said, you know, so I just basically, and like I said, we're all in a room and he's trying to brag about this to grown men that like, we, they don't think you're cool. Like this is weird for them to hear. Or like, they've all done this stuff. Like, they've been with females like it's not cool hearing you banging someone so he's like yeah we went to a movie he's like i don't even know what movie it was it's just like some random theater in oxford and we get down there and she starts touching me so then we like end up leaving and i just take her back to the hotel room he proceeds to stand up off the couch and then do thrusting mo movements talking about what he did to her back in the room and i'm sitting there and my skin's like crawling i'm like bro please like like like, and, and, you know, the thing is, I'm trying to be polite because I'm at their house. And, like, I even think the brother of the girl I dated was not comfortable with this. He's sitting there like, why are you saying this, Greg? Like, this in front of my dad and these two people. Like, I still to this day cannot I, – I can't, like, not remember that. Then they go out to eat with us. So we're at dinner with him. And just the way he acted at dinner and a couple people came up to him to get his autograph and just, like, do just a huge lame and a huge doucher. Now, he could have changed and he could have matured. But one thing that people don't know about him is he is a big-time silver spooner, like massive silver spooner. So his dad, he's they're from Dallas. He played at South Lake, one of those – South Lake or one of these big uh, high schools in, in, in Dallas, some, you know, really good football program, private school. 
his dad was like a general manager in the front office of the Dallas Stars and of the um, Rangers, and then he also worked for the Dallas Cowboys. So, like, they have tons of money. And, like, you could just, like, that that whole persona came off of him. And I remember leaving that weekend, I was like, if I could get one guy in a dark room and just, like, I can let him out when I'm done with him, it would be that clown. Because he was just such a doucher, just a silver spooner, just so lame. So, ever since then – I just don't have any respect for the guy. And maybe he's changed and matured, but I think he's one of those prototypical how he acts on TV would be completely different than how he would be when you're oh, out yeah. with his buddies having a beer. I think I think he would still be that just really lame douche doucher. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then when he's in front of people, it's like, yeah, like, you know, real PC and this and that. It's just like, so I just, anyways, I can't stand him. Yeah, that is an awesome story. I'm glad you have that in your holster. And uh, that's exactly what I would expect. Like, I I am so annoyed by him. And it, it like, I mean, he sounds like he is that way still. There's like the, I don't know. <laughs> that is honestly yeah. shocking that yeah. he would, he would do that as like an 18 year old. Like, no one gives a crap about what like these are 45 like, year old hey, men like, with hey. kids your age like they don't care about yeah exactly okay. and we don't think we don't think you're cool yeah we don't think you're cool. <laughs> yeah no definitely not um other thing that is non-specific to like offensive breakdown defensive breakdown just like football in general which we do most of let me tell you something reed i want to say this before we get into it we found our coach. This guy is who we need. If you're a Tennessee fan, if you're an Alabama fan, you know that game felt a lot different than it has in years past. Now, I don't know. I don't know how it felt in 2015 when, you know, we were up on Bama my last year, like how that felt for Tennessee fans if they were, you know, Hey, this is this is different. You know, it's not the same as it usually is. Like if if you got that feeling, but I mean this this feeling I have watching the game, watching it again, breaking down everything, seeing what we did well, what we didn't do well. Like it's just different, man, and and it gives me so much confidence in Coach Heupel. Uh, the decisions he's making out there, the passion that he has out there. I mean, just a fantastic gif, little video of him after that fumble, just being like, that's bullshit. That's bullshit to the refs. I love it. Absolutely love it. This is, this is the guy. And I don't feel like I felt that way with Pruitt whatsoever. Like it just wasn't there. I didn't really feel like, oh, now we have a ball coach. Now this is, you know, next tier. And with Hypo, it, it really just – it just feels so much different than it has in years past. So I sent a text last night to my Vols watch party, which is myself and a couple other guys. And then I know you and I text back and forth, or then we text with Brian. But I try to not really text with you because of this. But yeah. I texted the Vols watch. I, I texted the Vols watch party, and I was like, "Guys, like I'm hoping I'm not being a prisoner of the moment because I really try not to be." 
and I know the argument against me for this about Phillip, but so far what I've seen, Josh Heupel is the best coach that, you, that has been over at UT in my lifetime. And the reason I say that is because Phillip Fulmer, you can't deny what he did and his achievements and bringing a national championship. So all, I, I get all that. But college football was at a different landscape. This is, would be my argument against it. College football was at a different landscape then than it is now. And Phillip was amazing at recruiting. He did awesome at recruiting. But my lifetime, I was probably in second or third grade, maybe, maybe fourth when we won the national championship. So I still remember the national championship. But when I really started to remember is kind of his downfall. And I remember watching and being like, I never once felt confident with who we had on the sideline like I do now. With Phillip, I was like, I'm tired of his offense. It's the same old, same old. It's third and Chavis on defense. And we tried to make adjustments. Now, he could still bring in some talent. And we could still, you know, compete. When college football started changing and the Florida started to get, you know, really good and they were good with Spurrier and then Bama got Saban and all this stuff, like I just felt like the time had passed for Phillip. And – then we get Lane, and I really liked Lane, and he was really good offensively, and he's a good coach. But we've we, we have talked so much and wasted so much time on that guy that, like, I don't want him leading my program, and I don't trust him, and I don't think he would have really led us to where we want to be because he would have jumped ship or he would have gotten us in trouble. Well, then you go to Dooley. There's nothing to say besides Dooley was, was just not good. And I was playing college football at that time, so I wasn't really keeping up with him too, too terribly much. And then towards the end of it, it was just easy to see. Then you go to Butch. I personally didn't like Butch first year, his, his first year, two weeks to prepare for Vandy. And I sat there in that freezing stadium and watched us lose to Vandy with two weeks to prepare. And he got completely outcoached by James Franklin. And we had the better talent. And they had – Pat and Rob Nett or whatever his name was from, from Maribel just dicing us up. And right then and there, I said, he's not the guy. Like, game day, he's not the guy. Now, Butch did a really good job building the program up and getting some recruits in there and doing some of this different stuff. But when he got to that mountaintop, like I've said, he was almost there to get us to 10 wins and some really good bowls and a sugar bowl in that, maybe a chance at the SEC championship. And he fell so flat on his face. He went careening down the mountain. And lastly, we get to Pruitt. And I was kind of in on Pruitt. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, some of the stuff I liked how – I liked how he coached up some defense. I thought we played physical. I thought we played hard. I liked some of the athletes he was getting in. I liked his style of ball, of run the ball, play action, pro style, stuff like that. But when I really think back about his offense, his offense was almost kind of lucky. And what I mean by that is it was like, we're going to run and try to establish ourselves, but we can't. We're going to have to JG just drop back and throw it up to Juwan Jennings, Mark West Calloway, and some of these other guys, or Palmer, and we're just living on jump balls. And when it worked, it was great. Like, when it worked against Auburn down there on the road or when it worked against, you know, some of these other, other teams and stuff, like, hey, it looked great. But it wasn't like anything where I felt like he was scheming anything great up. Like, I never once, like, oh, that was a great play or that was this. And then – and then they, they rattle off some of those wins 
And it's like, okay, they win six in a row, seven in a row, and people are like, well, yeah, look at the competition. doesn't matter. you just got to win the game. So I'm like, okay, prove it. I'm happy. And then what he did was completely fall off the face of the earth, just like Butch did, and that team quit on him. And when I saw that team quit on him, and you and I were arguing back and forth, you're like, I don't want to keep firing and hiring and firing and hiring. I said, and I, and I told you, I said, Kyler, there's not one thing that you can tell me right now that you feel firmly, you firmly believe that he's good at. Meaning, you, we, we can't believe in his recruiting because that was when some of the chirps were coming around about he's about to get us in trouble. You couldn't believe in his defense. You couldn't believe in his offense. And you couldn't believe how he led a team because they quit on him. So all of that, and then we come to Heupel, someone I believe in, they fight hard for. You know, I want to see the penalties. Um, I want to see that, you know, kind of be taken care of. And I want to see if he can end up recruiting. I've always said people, if you put the effort in, Tennessee recruits itself. So a little bit of cheating, a little bit of time and effort, and you'll get some players. And obviously this guy, I, I, I feel comfortable with him on game day. So to finish my rant, like he's the first time in my life that I have said, I feel comfortable going into a game like I do when I have my, when I have uh, Coach Vrabel on the sideline. Sorry for the yeah. rant, but yes, I agree with you, and it makes and it makes me mad because I see everyone saying this now on Twitter and on all this stuff, bro. I, I like I literally watched the pit game, and that the pit game was on. You see, I was like, this guy's a ball coach. Like he's gonna have his chances to win. Now, granted, I wasn't willing to say it. I said it, but I wasn't willing to like, hey, let me trust my eyes. Let me see how he does against Florida. Let me see how he does against these teams. But right now, I'm confident in the fact that, like, I say he's the best coach we've had over there in my lifetime. Yeah. My apologies for the rant. I would agree. I mean, I played with two of those coaches, and what I've seen out of him is is really good. I I think it's so hard for me with Coach Jones because we were in such a desperate state when he got there. And the fact that we were able to get to where we were when I left, I mean, I really was like, hey, like you did a great job, like pointing us in the right direction. Now, keeping us there, uh, keeping everyone on your side, that's where he fell off. Um, But like creating a disciplined team, he did great. And that's, that's sometimes exactly what you need um because we were definitely disciplined when, when i was there um but yeah you guys played I mean, hard you guys played hard yeah i mean it was it was effort and discipline like we were that was it that's what made us win games that's what made us close with these certain teams it wasn't always just like overwhelming talent um in a sense so i was happy with my time at tennessee so it's hard for me to like bash butch but hypel what he's doing and like you said the pit game like Pitt's a really good team old miss is a really good team alabama's a really good team and these are the games that we're losing and they're so close and it's like what i mean you said it you know beginning of the season all i want is a fourth quarter game versus these teams Knowing that Florida and Bama and Georgia are all really good teams, Ole Miss, really good teams, all you wanted was a fourth-quarter game, to be in the game in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, it was a seven-point game start the fourth quarter. So you can't tell me that's what you expected this year, first year of a head coach after all these transfers. It's not even what you expected third-year head coach in in Coach Pruitt. So – 
I just feel like we're in a fantastic spot at the moment. I'm, I'm honestly very, very happy with exactly where we are uh, and super excited to see where everything goes and see where everything leads. But um, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's get into offense. Let's get into defense. Let's actually break down the game, everything we thought, what was going on. Uh, start with offense, as always, because that's my bread and butter. But uh, I thought we did well on offense. I thought there was obviously, <laughs> as I always say, uh, I thought there was execution issues, obviously. Third down was the biggest red flag for me. Um, you know, two of 12, I think we ended up with. We just really couldn't – we couldn't buy a third down to save our lives. Um, and then re-watching all the penalties, they were warranted. Guys were not set. Guys were jumping off sides. There were false starts. So, in a way, there might be a couple that could be ticky-tacky, and maybe if you're playing at home, they're not called. But still, technically a penalty. So, you got to call it. Um, but I, I thought, I love the fact that he came out with, uh, extra offensive lineman at fullback the first two plays and we never went back to it, but I love that. Um, get, get the big ugly. Hey, hey, Tyler. What? Tyler. I, I don't, I'm not joking. I think that was Elijah Simmons. Really? Yeah. I, because. I tried to look it up to see who played what snaps and who did this and that, and I couldn't find it. And I couldn't find number 10 on, like, a depth chart. And I kid you not, the only time I maybe think it was Elijah because I I was watching the game back, and when I they showed Hyper one time, I saw Elijah's face or someone that looked just like him, and he was in that, like, 10 jerk, and I was like, I was like, is that Elijah? I was like, because I couldn't find who it was. And I was like, maybe it was him, meaning because, like, I know he was not really super healthy. I personally don't think he would have been very effective against Bama anyways. So maybe that was the way of, like, I don't know if it was. I hope someone will will, will let us know in the comments or tweet us or whatever. Yeah. But he, I, I loved it, too. But I, I think it might have been him. But anyways, yeah, I was wondering the same thing. I was like, who is that? Because the reason why I thought it was an offensive lineman, obviously we're on offense, and – he had double knee braces. So I thought for sure that wasn't one of our defensive linemen. Yeah. Um, but love that. I love the adjustments uh, that Hypo was making. I love some of the play calls that he had. Like I said, it's just – it's execution. Um, I mean, there were times where I thought Hendon really was supposed to pull the ball on the read options, and he, he didn't. Um, like that first – and, uh, I mean, Bama played a good game on defense. Like, I'm not going to say that, you know, they're crap. They're they're good. But, like, up-tempo and all that stuff, we were able to catch them off guard on a lot of things. Like, that is part of a strategy is playing up-tempo offense so that you can catch defenses off guard. So, that's a good thing. Um, but, like, you know, the first third down that we had when we first started the game, they ran cover zero. To just brought everyone like that it was man coverage outside they literally brought everyone we tried to run the ball for that first down we didn't get it and like hey 
okay, live to play another down. Like it sucks that we, you know, on some of those third downs, like it sucks we don't get them, but it's like, well, I mean, honestly, they sent the freaking house. So what do you expect in that moment? Uh, what do you expect to get at, get out of it? Um, <laughs> some other stuff, I mean, like the refs, you know, we talked about the penalties and like some of the spots that they gave them. The hit on Hinden, just an obvious targeting that they call in 99% of games, and they didn't even get close to calling it. Like, I'll put the clip in here because I, I got it off something, but, like, the ref is literally watching Hinden. He throws it, and the ref watches the ball go to the wide receiver. And it's like, Bud, you're not a fan. Do your damn job. We watch the ball. We're fans. We're the ones who watch the ball. You watch the players. You make sure they're not doing anything illegal. Like the lines judge just sitting there and just pans and watches the ball go to the wide receiver. I'm like, man, you got to watch what's going on in front of you and see that, that it's a blatant targeting and it has to be called. I mean, you're going to knock our court. Like think of – they literally don't call that. Think of like Hinden gets a concussion right there on that play. And then they just never really called it. And then it's like, oh, well, he's out, but we never got the call. Like that could have easily happened because they're just not paying attention. Or they're like, oh, Tennessee's not supposed to be doing well versus Alabama. What's going on? We got to make sure that we have an SEC representative in the, in the top four. Like, oh, oh, oh. Um, but that stuff just drove me crazy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, some of the other stuff on offense, like Javante's touchdown, they literally weren't running routes on the other side. And I think they mentioned this in the Ole Miss game, but that does kind of surprise me in a sense that I guess Heigl just trusts Hinden le Hinden's legs enough to say, if this isn't open on this side, run it. Just go, just take off. Um, and – hey, it's worked so far. I mean, that was a touchdown play, and literally the other two wide receivers on the other side weren't running routes. They just took a few steps off the ball and looked. Um, let's see. What else? Uh, I talked about Hinden reading the pulls. Um, Hinden. I, this, I mean, this was on Hinden, like a lot of this game. Um, obviously, because he is the quarterback, like you're the one that we're depending on. I thought he had some good plays, but he also had bad plays where it's like the third down after the pump block, he goes past the line of scrimmage before he throws it. It's just like, hey, like you can get that first down, just run it or just like understand where you're at. Um, I thought he freaked out like at the end of the game when we went for it on fourth down and like protection was fine. It was a three-man rush. Like he really could have just hung out there for a little bit longer, but he like kind of freaked out, tried to run, tripped, and then it was, you know, they got us. Um, and then, like, the interception sealed the game for, for Bama, and it sucks. And I, and I don't, you know, I don't want to blame Hinden on that wholeheartedly because I think it was, like, an option route for the wide receiver. I think it was, like, miscommunication. In no way do I think Hinden is a bad player at all. I mean, that's literally his second interception of the season. I mean, compared to the quarterback we had the past few years, that's incredible. Um, 
But I thought, obviously, I thought there were things that he could improve on uh, moving forward. And um, I was very much impressed, and I'll let you talk after this. I was very much impressed with Dane Davis to come in first start versus Alabama and didn't really give up any pressure. He had one pressure on Hendon that ended up not even being a sack. Hendon was able to kind of like move around and get out of it. Uh, Blocking the run well, you know, just dependable as he was out there. Like that that is impressive to do. And I was I was very excited for that because, you know, going into the game, I was worried. I, I was worried that something would happen that, you know, he wouldn't necessarily be ready because of the fact he hasn't played all year. And it was a very pleasant surprise. So shout out Dane Davis. Uh, I love the effort he put in. I, I love how he played. Yeah, Dane was almost like the MVP just because of the one picture that was going around on Twitter of him putting Henry T's head in the, uh, in the dirt. So, uh, I didn't know if I should bring up Henry T on that rant or not. Um, but like, please just, just like enough, dude. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him celebrate that much when he was at Tennessee, like get over yourself camera, please stop going on him. There's nothing special that he was doing. He made, a couple assisted tackles and thought he was just killing it out there. Uh, and I, I mean, I just like, don't care what you say. Like, Oh yeah, he's a VFL. Like, no, he's not. He left. Like, how, how can you say he's like, he literally left and went to Alabama. Like, no, he's a bammer. He's not a freaking VFL. Take him out of the conversation of it. So I'm just tired of freaking seeing him. I'm just, I'm just tired of it. Like, Get them off my screen, so, please. Yeah. So, so this morning I, I I did a run. This morning I woke up and I was thinking about the podcast and thinking about some of the stuff I want to talk about. I was like, do I even give him time, like airtime, like because it's just like the whole Kiffin thing. I thought the same thing. I was like, I, I wonder. I, I, if, I wonder if it. I wonder if Reed's going to be like, hey, just don't talk about him. No, and the reason I. So I thought the same thing that he was way over celebrating, and a couple of those, like you said, it, I remember when I played linebacker, and it, there's a there's a strong side inside linebacker, and there's a weak side inside linebacker, and when I played weak side inside, it's one of the easiest jobs in the world because you're coming from the weak side of the play, meaning it's the strong side uh, other linebacker that you usually have to take on pulling guards or fullbacks, and and we were supposed to just come and clean up, and it was a very easy job. And you did get to make some plays, but it's like nothing. There was nothing that he did that was like, like you said, that was super impressive. And he was just wanting to really run out there and jog and get fired up. And I'm fine with playing with emotion. Like you said, it's probably more because of this whole game. But another thing is too is like it's not that hard to play linebacker at Bama. Like it's it's not like you have so many dogs around you and up in front. Like it, it's it's a pretty fun job to do. But the last thing I was thinking about when he left, I know we talked about on the pod that week, and I honestly don't remember. And I was thinking, I said, okay, if if this was one of my like really good friends at at, at, at Catholic. 
And he decides we get a change my senior year. Mark Pemberton leaves. We get Scott Meadows coming in. I'm like, if Kyler, if you had said, hey, you know what? Like, with this stuff that's changing over and I've been given an opportunity, like, I'm going to go across town to Webb, to, like, one of our rivals. I think I would still want you it, – it, I think what I think what I've decided is if you were like a really really good friend, so like you and a select other few people, like I would still want you to be successful, but I would I would want to beat you very very badly if I thought you left because of us because you didn't think we were going to be good. Now if you left because of other outside situations because stuff with a coach or family and all that, like and you just it wasn't a good environment for you, I, that's fine. I respect that. But I think Henry T, or he he literally left because he's like, yo, this place is garbage. They're not going to be any good. I got one more year. Like, let me go try to, to win and, and, and whatever. And so if it was some stuff like that, I am going to say F you and, and hit the road. Like, you, you're, you're leaving us. And so he's not evolved for life. Like, I would not consider him evolved for life. Like, you left us. A leader is supposed to be there. And I think you said this on the one of the pods that we talked about when he left. If you're a leader, the best time and the most important time to be a leader are when the chips are against you. And these guys that stayed, like a Matthew Butler and some of these other guys that stayed, you know what? They'll they'll be remembered and respected forever. And, and they will be Vols for life forever. And hopefully, you know, it, it just it just really frustrated me because of the reason that he left. Yeah. And it's because he literally left because and so I'm telling you right now, if I'd been not in some of those offensive linemen, I don't know if they were just doing it because he was being annoying or he was chirping them or he didn't they didn't like it that he left. But there was a couple of times Fraggins and Carvin got on him. Oh, Dave yeah. Davis there there was Dave. there there was one play where Carvin was literally like, Hey, step the hell up. Like Yeah, hey, I'm here. Like, don't come in here doing some cheap shit. Like yeah. none of that. Like got like got up and was looking at him, and I'll put it in here because I I saw it. But and Henry did not want any of that smoke, not at all. And it was just like the way he was acting, the way he was playing and celebrating and all that stuff made it almost <clears throat> made it almost seem like it was a revenge game for him. Like he almost got screwed over, and like he was you know, mad of what was happening. You know, they like say revenge games in the NFL because guys get traded away to yes. other teams. Yeah. Like that's, that was almost the essence of what was going on and like how it was portrayed. I'm like, bro, revenge game for you, revenge game for us. Like you're the one who just like left us high and dry. Like you were fine. You were the leader on the team. Like nothing was against you. This is not a revenge game for you. Like you're just showboating at this point. Like, please, just enough. Get off my damn screen. Yeah, it's uh, – I think a lot of that has to do with his dad. And I, I forgot to tell this story. Uh, I was at line in line at the Ole Miss game. And there was a guy in front of me. He's very talkative, very nice guy. What? It just reminded me someone said – they DM'd me and said they saw you at the Ole Miss game. And as soon as they saw you, they forgot your name. You know how people do that? So they said, yes. as soon as they saw you, they forgot your name. So they didn't walk up and say something. And I was oh. like, I was like, you should have walked up and said something because it would have made his day. And next time, just call him Dale Earnhardt. 
And he'll know if what someone, <laughs> if someone, if, if he just come up and been like, Hey bro, like love the pod. That would've been hype. Like I would have loved that. Um, but okay. So I'm standing in line and the guy in front of me is a very talkative, very nice guy. So he turns around, we're starting to talk. Well, then I step up to order or whatever. He turns around and starts talking to the guy behind me. And it was so frustrating and annoying because it was a guy, he's a little bit older, like in his forties and he had the tag around him. So he was there with a recruit. And uh, so they start talking and I don't know how it gets brought up. And he goes, yeah, I, I swear, I am not making this up. I have a Jack was there with me eating his Petros standing. He'd already gotten his food. So he's sitting there munching. And I did you not, I'm not saying that I am not exaggerating this at all. The guy literally goes, yeah, man. He like my kid about to be the future here at Tennessee. And I was like, and Jack and I looked at each other like that light. Like, did you hear what I hear? So then I'm alerted to this. He goes, yeah, my son, the number one quarterback in Indiana. And I'm like, well, we have uh, Tavon Jackson. I don't know where he's from. Is he from Indiana? And I was like, and he's not the number one. Is he? I was like, what? <laughs> and then I, I was like, I was like, is and so anyways, I kid you not, like later that that night when I got home or that Sunday, I like Googled his family and there was a picture of his family and this guy was not his dad. So that's the problem with these kids is like they have clown head parents and I'm fine with you supporting your parents. I mean, you support your kids. I would be the number one supporter and I get it. Everyone is biased towards their kids. I'm biased towards my friends. Like I'm biased towards you and Tyler and Logan and, and these guys that all play football. But like, when you say that crap, like what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> what, like, it's like, that's so stupid. And like, you're the reason just like Henry T's dad or uncle, whoever it was like, that they do this. It's like, bro, it's not you out there playing, like just support. And like, but he said that. And so the guy that, that I was talking to me and now talking to me, he's like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, that's awesome. Jack had the perfect line, the perfect line. And I started cracking up. Jack looked at me and he goes, we'll tell you when your son's the kid, the, the future of Tennessee. Cause that's the truth. The fans will let you know if your if your son's worth a damn or not. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? yeah. But the fact that that but the fact that he said that he literally said, "Yeah, my my son about to be the future here at Tennessee." And I was just like, "What?" He's like, he's number one quarterback, Indiana. This kid's probably like an eighth grader or something stupid. Like, <laughs> anyways, but um, yeah, back to the Henry T thing. Like, I I I hate Alabama. I hate Georgia. I hate Florida. I hate Kentucky. And I usually pull for Bama, like if they're playing Georgia in a national championship, because we can still say that we have a championship, a national championship before Georgia. So Georgia wants to talk all this stuff. It's like you guys have one since the '80s, and so it's like Obama oh, got another one. Like, okay, who cares? They got another one. Like, they got five, <laughs> they got ten, they got twenty. I don't care how many they have. Yeah, but if it's but if it's Bama versus Clemson or Bama versus Ohio State, you're rooting for Ohio State. You're rooting for Clemson. Yes, most of the time. There's sometimes I will be honest. I did have money on Bama a couple times, so maybe I was cheering for them. But but well, yeah. money, hey, money is different. Yeah. If you just think yeah. someone's gonna win and you put money on them, it doesn't business, like business, business. want them to like. It's not like you want them. Well, you're just like, well, they're probably the better team. Right. Exactly. But I was thinking about it, and just because of Henry T, I think I want Georgia to beat them for the national championship. Just because of that guy, because I can say you left us thinking you're gonna win a natty. And you didn't win. Just like I Dude, can't wait for Oakland. Georgia could beat them in the SEC championship and easily knock them out of the top four with, right. you know, yes. maybe an Oregon yes, right. coming from the get, Pac-12, then, yes. Ohio State coming from Big Ten, and then a Cincinnati being undefeated. Yes. 
That's what we need. Yes, you're right. We need Georgia to win the SEC. Bama doesn't go. And then somehow some miracle like Cincinnati beats Georgia for the national championship or something like that would be, amazing. <laughs> you know, so anyways, all right, let me dive into, let me dive into offense. I am going to talk quick. Um, we're trying to be short and sweet tonight. Best you know, we can. We're trying to be an hour and we're already 44 minutes. in. <laughs> we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. A lot of the same stuff that you said offensively, same stuff that I said offensively. Um, I think one of the main things that really, really hurt us in this game is the third, third and ones, or, or excuse me, third down. But when I say third down, that could be, oh, we had third and eights, third and twelves, third and whatever. No, we had a couple third and ones. We had a third and six. Very, very manageable at any level of football. A coach would say, you give me a couple third and ones, third and six. Like, I love that. Okay. And we didn't, we didn't handle those well at all. I thought Hinden needed to keep one of the first ones. They were crashing out. It's kind of the same thing Pitt does. Like, they kind of know what we're going to do. Like, if it's third and one, they're kind of like, all right, yeah, they're probably going to run it. So we either need to run the read option. Now, if the team knows the read option is coming, they'll just send two people off that edge. Because then when Hendon does, that's the one way to stop the read option is we're dictating to you. Well, no, if you bring two off the edge, you dictate to us because he has to give it. And they literally, in Hypo, adjusted to it and ran a read option option. Option, yes. And then Hendon didn't pitch it, decided to keep it, and got tackled. But it's just like – Adjustment yes. is just like awesome that you're seeing that out of a head coach. Yes. And I wrote that down saying I love that play. That Bama guy just made a hell of a play. Because I wanted to say, Hendon, you should have pitched it. But that guy was playing kind of catty corner. So, like, Hendon's coming up. And instead of him being head up, he kind of catty cornered. So, it could have been dangerous pitch. But I love that play. But I, I just – some of those third downs needs to be a little bit better. I actually was fine with what I saw from Dane Davis. I, we still – they still gave up some pressure in the middle. So, Cooper got beat pretty bad on one sack. Uh, Spragans and Carvin still, you know, those guys are, 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 I say they're more running type, you know, run blocking offensive line, but they still struggle a little bit in that area. I yeah. Guess. I mean, but, one of the third downs that it was a third and short Spragans yes. was supposed to be double teaming with Dane up to linebacker and literally just did Please. not yes. go to the linebacker and just, he came right through and tackled tie on in yeah. the backfield. And it's just like, okay, yeah. well, like that's just oh, hey, hold, hold that's on, execution. Hold on, hold on. Like if you just block him, Tyon can get a yard. Like it's gonna be okay. Right. Hey, hold on real quick. This is uh, live TV here. I think my dad's yelling at me, but I gotta make sure something doesn't wrong with my mom. <laughs> live TV. Robbie. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm on the, the silent. I'm, I'm on the podcast. What's up? <laughs> All right, sorry guys. Just making sure my mom's still recovering from uh, from some health stuff, so I had to make sure like she was all right. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay, right. so so yeah, there was a couple that like I thought were from the in interior, and we like these guys. We like Carvin. We like Spragans. We like Kay. I mean Cooper, but they are who they are. They're like I said, they're not going to be first or second team guys. Like they compete hard, so we're going to take that. But you know, anyways, um, one of the things on 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 offense that I liked was when he knew he wasn't going to run the ball well he started hitting a lot of those little swing routes or those little out routes to the running back that were basically screens it was mm -hmm. like hey set hut go look out I'm gonna throw it to you and we got two guys blocking and they were pretty effective or like early on through the game getting the ball in Jabari and Tyon's hands and Jacob Warren had a nice block um, a couple of other receivers had so so that's an extension of the run game if we can't run it we're going to still get the ball in our playmakers hands on the edge 
get four, five, six, seven yards with a chance to break. So that's the stuff that I, I really liked. Um, I did have my note. I love seeing big number 10 out there. I love that. I think that is something that we should definitely pull out more against some, some people to add that big body in there to help. And, and the 10 looked super swaggy. I love number 10. So that was cool. And like I said, <laughs> I, I, don't, I love it. You're just like, well, I gotta say that it was swaggy. Like that, that has to be a point. I, it I, I wrote cool. it down in my notes. Like, come on, it's yeah. number 10. Like if he would have worn a different number, you wouldn't have wrote it down in your notes. Well, if he, yeah. I mean, if he had been in like 73, I'd been like, whatever. But like, <laughs> I mean, you know, they had to make him eligible. All right. Um, I got a lot of stuff on here for defense. Um, I'll tell you what. The, oh, okay. Um, the third – one of the third ones that I did like because, you know, obviously against Pitt, uh, Hendon just has to keep it, the read option, he walks in. A couple of these other – there was another third and one that someone sailed out bad on us and they stopped us. It might have been Ole Miss. But I like when he does some of these third ones that are those play quick play-action rollouts. And I thought that – it was like a go and Hendon turns and the back's not there because he's already releasing. So it looks like it's a, a, a botched play, but I think if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I would need to ask an offensive coach or offense coordinator, or offensive minded guy, but I think they do that just so the linebackers see him turning if they're not reading the back and then he turns real quick and he's on the rollout and then he dumps it. And that was a nice third and one play. It could have also been, hey, this is a coaching point for running backs. If you see this look, go. Sure, like, right. Don't even mess Good with point, the fake. Yeah. Just right. go because we don't have enough time. It, it just – there's so many little nuances inside the, only, the game. So, the only reason I don't think – I agree with you, and that stuff is cool. The only reason I don't think it happened this time is because they were stacked right beside each other. And the linebackers or running no, back? No, no, no. Yeah, running back Hendon's here okay. and Javari Small's here, and Hendon turns this way, and he's already going out that way. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so that's the only reason. But, I, yeah, you're right. There probably are times that they do that. Um, so, I love that we took the great – it was a great slot shot. I'm just going to start calling the great slot shots, and we and we took one to Cedric. And it was it was nice, like, yes, if he'd thrown it a little bit ahead of him, he could have run under it made a pick. But sometimes in football now, I think they are taught to kind of throw it a little behind and a little bit outside because then you either get a PI or trust your receiver because it's much easier for the receiver to make an adjustment back yeah. than the DB is. And like Cedric the, made a nice play on it. Yeah, like what people have always said is like, I'd rather run the ball than pass the ball because with running the ball, there's only like one thing that could go wrong with passing the ball. There's two where it's like, it could be incompletion or an interception. Yeah. So it's like now that I underthrow my wide receiver, and give him a jump ball, it could be mo like more good things than bad things, or it's like a PI or a catch. Yes. Yes. You know, so it's just like, you know, play the numbers kind of thing. Play the numbers. Yeah. I said, I think I said that earlier, like a while ago in a couple of pods. It's like, hey, he's going to take his shot because we're either going to get a catch or a PI and even a, even just an incomplete pass, like not bad, good, good compared to like the, you know, the pick, whatever. Yeah. You know, so. Um, but that's just the, like the evolution of the passing game. Um, you know, ultimately, I'll finish up with this. Penalties, got to clean them up. Execution, has got to be better. I think both of those will change with better players. Honestly, I, I, I will. I think both of those will change. First thing you said um, to us. I, 
it's it's hard to it's hard to beat up Hendon because he is a fighter and a scrapper. But that play after the field goal, he misses Jacob Warren, which Jacob would have at least gotten five or six yards, and that's without making anybody miss. If he yeah. just turns up field and makes one guy miss, that's probably that's probably a first down. And then the next one's a nice little run play, actually one of the better run plays the whole night. And then it's a nice play call. Like the next play call is like, let's get Hendon on the right side rolling out. And I paused the TV because at first I was like, just get the ball to uh, uh, Tyon Evans because he's amazing in space. I was like, get it to him earlier. I think I might have seen what Hendon was seeing because the slot corner for them, who's their best player, did a good job of a couple back pedals. Then he sees the play and he comes up. Hendon might not want to get him kill shotted. Like, because the, I, I think, I don't know if it's Henry T or, the, or Christian Harris, but like, he was like, if you're watching on YouTube, it's like Christian Harris, Tyon Evans, and then here. So it was like, you could have maybe gotten to him. Yeah, I'll put the play missed. in so they can or, see or, it. Or, it, or, was, or it, it was very like 50 50. Like, I don't know if as soon as Tyon gets it, he gets hit, or possibly there's a little bit of like a cut and he gets underneath the guy. What I would have liked Hendon to do. Hold on, hold on. Let me guess. Okay. You would have liked for him to point it up and say, catch that block, I'll run behind you. Close. Okay. I would have liked him to do exactly what he did, but don't throw the ball. Wind up, do that nice pump, get the guy to jump, and then run it yourself and get four or five yards. Yes. Like, leave it to where the guy still thinks you're going to pass because that's what he thought the entire – none of them came up to get Hendon. They, like, stayed back around the first down and were like, oh, he's going to throw it to Tyon or he's going to throw in the end zone. Like, they were waiting. Right. And I think if Hendon just, like, gives a good pump fake, that guy jumps in the air and he's easy first down. If not, hey, get past him and get a touchdown. Right, right. Yeah, and there was a part of me I was like, well, maybe he should have just rolled out and chilled for a minute and kind of like waited to see what he could have developed. But that's tough to do. If you're, I would rather you attack the line of scrimmage and either make your decision to throw. And when you make your decision not to throw, then you get it compared to if he does stop and wait it and wait it and wait it, that can be pretty tough sometimes, but yes, pull out the Vince Young. Like Vince Young used to pump fake for the Titans when he was like four yards past the line of scrimmage. Oh, I still remember like a fourth and 10 where he was getting sacked. The guy had him wrapped up. And he yeah, just it was against the Giants. Yeah, and the guy the let him go because he thought he yeah. threw it and he didn't want to get a penalty. And then Vince took it like 19 yards for a first down. Yes. It was insane. Yes, I remember that. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he used so to do that anyways, all the time. But, that yeah, that is something that, like, a mobile quarterback can take advantage of so much. Like, Dobbs did that so many times with the pump fake and getting guys jumping the air and then he takes off. Yes, yes. I'll finish up with offense on this. I, I, you know, no, no surprise. I love the way they competed, and I love the way that we continue to answer back, even though we hurt ourselves with penalties and bad execution. We still found a way to get 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 it in with with Velas. Nice play to hit Javante Payton. He put the okie doke on him, took off, and later in the game, we don't quit. And we throw that bomb to Cedric and house fault for 70 yards. And we're still hanging around. We're still hanging around. Well, then they get it and they score. And then the next possession is when we throw the pick. And that was the game sealer. And I did look at my dad. I did look at my dad, too. And it's the first time all summer, I mean, all season, 
that I it was like midway through the third quarter. I was like, our, our defense is gas. And it was funny. They showed Tyler Barron yes. and he went like he went like this and, and he, he couldn't come out. And it was like and it was just like they just started getting pushed because I got a lot on defense that I'm going to talk about when we go there. <laughs> but, you know, ultimately continue to execute. We can nitpick some offense. I thought it was nice to see the rotation again of Cedric, of Javante, of Velas, of Hyatt, you know, some of the different guys. So it was good to see that, you know, we just, uh, we got to be better on the offensive line. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's just all execution, being able to do that stuff. I mean, we really did not have a good rushing day. So that, that kind of sucked. Um, with what you're saying, the depth of the defense, we'll jump into defense now. That was one of my notes that I put down is just, man, depth is an issue. Like, these guys were just dead by that point. Alabama was playing very slow offensively. You know, they weren't going fast. So, it made it to where defense was out there forever. I mean, time of possession was very lopsided in, in Bama's favor because just the way they were playing the game. They hey, can I say something real quick? Yeah. I don't want to hear people talk about his time of possession like, oh, when you – go quick and then you do it all though and then it's a quick three and out yeah we get that but it's also execution meaning say if you do the old Pruitt offense you might keep your offense on there maybe another minute literally another minute because you still have it so say if he runs it on first we get three yards and then they huddle up and then they go back out and then we have an incomplete pass they huddle up they go out we don't get on third down it's still three and out like your defense still wasn't over there a long time so you're really only saving your team maybe two or three minutes, which I get that adds up, but it's still execution. If we move fast and we still execute, like we still are giving our defense some rest. So I get it. There is still some extra rest, but it's, I don't think it's dramatic. I think more of it's the depth. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you. Completely agree with you. Um, you know, Bama played slow. I uh, felt like this was – this is just very unfortunate for – our defense that they're literally they literally now that they played Bama have played the top three quarterbacks in the nation and had to go against them and watching Bryce Young and what what he what he did I didn't necessarily think he had like a great passing day even though like his stats say he did has a lot of yards you know his completion percentage was good I still feel like it wasn't as good as he's had in games past I, I thought he missed balls where he sh usually would have completed them. And, you know, as everyone says, it's really easy to be an Alabama quarterback with the amount of talent you have at wide receiver. And sometimes it does feel like that where it's like, well, if you don't take advantage, like if you don't have like only four incompletions, like you don't really have that great of a day. Um but, like, shout out some guys. Like, Hayden played amazing to, this week. I mean, flying all over the field, high energy, not quitting on plays, causing that fumble, um, you know, coming up, making tackles, not being afraid to stick his nose and stuff. I was very impressed with him. I love the way he played. I almost feel like he, he had a different mindset playing Alabama than the other guys do because it's because it's different from where he because he was a guy he came from Auburn correct I'm not that's yeah so no you're right you're right you're right coming from Auburn it's like they don't look as Bama as this unbeatable team or like 
oh, you can't really touch them, which a lot of Tennessee teams have in the past. A lot of East SEC teams have. Auburn, LSU on the West, they don't give a crap about Alabama. And because they've had success against them. Exactly. And I think Hayden had that mindset where he's like, I don't give a shit what star these wide receivers are. I'm going to play my ass off, and, and if he catches it, I'm going to go for the ball because the play's not over. Um, so I love the way he – I love the way he played. Um, we actually ran a lot of cover one and cover zero. So that is man coverage with one safety high or man coverage with nobody back. And I was, I was surprised by that, but Tim Banks was like, I'm going to make Bryce Young uncomfortable. I'm going to try and get pressure on him and make him make these throws. And I, I thought it was a great game plan. You know, I thought, like we said, the interception sealed it uh, to where, you know, they get up two scores on us and then it's kind of like we're playing a different kind of ball. Um, and the missed tackles was bad. And we've, we haven't had a game like this this year with these amount of missed tackles we had. And I don't necessarily think it was our guys using bad technique or not being able to tackle. I think it was Bama guys putting the moves on them. I mean, just juking dudes out. Robinson is an amazing back. I'll give that to him. He is a great running back. Make guys miss, run through arm tackles, get the extra yards for you. He's going to be a good back moving forward. He'll be great in the NFL, too. Um, wish I had him on our team. Like, he is a damn good running back. Uh, let's see. The games, I thought they were good. You know, Byron Young got a sack off of those games we talked about. They can be so dangerous uh, versus an offensive line if the, you know, DBs and coverage are doing really well. And they were. I mean, all the times that Byron Young ran and got a first down or got a big gain was because – it was going to be a coverage sack if he didn't. Like, our coverage skills were awesome. We were all over those wide receivers, and he had to run for it. In games past, if you've watched any Alabama game this year, they would talk all the time about how Byron Young doesn't like to run. Like, he just doesn't. He would rather throw it. Even though he can run, he doesn't like to. And this is the, like, this is the only game I literally look back where he had a lot of rush yards, like where he actually ran the ball. Um, so it was literally just like, this is his only option. So I, I was proud of our DBs for that and linebackers. Cause those, they go into that as also, um, but it was the same thing. We struggled on third down on offense. We struggled third down on defense. Couldn't get off the field. We'd force them into third and longs. I mean, you know, third and 12s, third and 13s, and they'd still convert them. And that just kills you. In a momentum, in a mindset, and also bring it all back in depth, in, you know, just tiredness, if that is a word, just effort and, like, everything that you have left in your body, you're like, okay, I can get off the field in one play, and then it's not. And then you have another three plays, and then another three plays, and another, and it just, like, stacks up on you to where you just can't, you can't perform anymore. It, it, you're just dead by the end of the game, which is exactly exactly what happened to our defense. Time of possession is not only on offense either. Like, you got to get off the field. 
if you want to be, if you want to get off the field, get off the field, give it back to your offense again. And so I'll start here. Uh, Thursday night, I went to Nama uh, in Bearden with my beautiful, lovely, great girlfriend, Ariel. And I kid you not, we're leaving. And I'm about 85, 90% sure it was Matthew Butler was getting in his car. And I, I really wanted to be like Matthew or like Matthew Butler. And if he said, yeah, I'd be like, hey, man, like, I just love how you play the game. Like, I, I really respect you. Now, people that know me know that I would say that to a high schooler, to an NFL player, to a little peewee, you know, like, I just love football. I love the art of it. I love people. That Actually, I was playing golf on a Saturday morning before the game, and there was, I kid you not, my dad and I were playing, and there was like a – this kid was probably in middle school in front of us and was just a striper. And there was a, a spot where we're finishing up on seven, they're teeing up on eight, and I said, hey, man, like, great swing, like, good ball. Like, that's awesome. Like, I, that's just how I am. Like, I'm talking to people. And I didn't say anything to him because I didn't want to be, like, this weird, like, UT jock sniffer and, like – you know, like I'm on my podcast. <laughs> exactly. So I didn't want to, you know, I was never going to be like, Hey man, let me get your autograph or picture. Like, I just think that's like kind of weird, but I say that to say, like, I start with him again. He is so good. He and I don't watch enough SEC of all the other teams, but if that guy is not on a second, first or second team, it's all because he plays at Tennessee and he doesn't get the puff that these people at Georgia or Bama or whatever. The guy constantly gets pushed. He constantly makes plays. He constantly beats double teams. And it was my fault. I did go back and watch a little bit more this week of the uh, Ole Miss game, and it was when I was going to get Great American Cookies. So me being fat leads to <laughs> leads to me missing the Matthew Butler play where he makes a great play, beats a, the offensive tackle, hits Matt Corral, ball fumbles, and that 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 play could have changed that game in, in, in momentum swings because we don't fall on it, and then it's like third and whatever, and Matt Corral dances around, and that's the drive that they ended up going like seventy or eighty yards and scoring, you know, and in, in, in going up I think two touchdowns. That guy is constantly, constantly making plays. And I saw it tonight. I'm like, oh, there's Matthew Butler make tackle. Let me rewatch it. Oh, he beat a double team. Oh, like he's getting pushed. He's getting pressure up the middle on, on uh, Bryce Young. Like, guys, I, I just – I think I looked at his stats. I think he had nine tackles, uh, sack and a half, and two QB hurries or two tackles for a loss and whatever. Like, it was just – He's second on the team in tackles at defensive at defensive tackle. I love the guy. I love him, and I just love watching him play. Okay, we went back to rotating a lot of DBs again, and for whatever reason, I don't know. I don't know if, if Theo got hurt because Brandon Turnage came in and started playing that slot a lot, but I love – and they kept calling him Haddon. I've been always calling him – I've been calling him Kamal Hayden. I don't know what his, how he's actually pronounced his name, but last week I said it. When he came in – for the injury, he played again. He's got he's very fiery. He's physical. He's brings just that good DB. Like, I'm gonna get I might get burnt, but I'm gonna come back, make another play, and tell you about making a play. And like I just I thought he made really good tackles. I thought he made good plays. And yes, and he didn't get beat on that one 
that they that he punched out. It was just zone coverage. He's outside. We have our linebackers in safety, and the Alabama guy just does a really good job of finding the zone, which is what you're supposed to do. But you're right. He doesn't quit on the ball when he's behind the ball. He said, F it. I'm going to go up and punch out. We did a really good job last night punching out. You saw Alante trying to rip one out. Tank McCullough did punch one out, and it was a fumble. And I'm glad that they said it was a fumble. But Bryce Young did recover it for the amount of time, whatever. And, you know, we didn't get a chance to pull it out of the scrum, which we did come out with it. But we I guess did. They're saying- and just, yeah, that play, I mean, everybody – going to want us to talk about it. I I just wish there was a better way to really determine if that was a touchdown or not. Like, I just – the human error in the refs makes it so annoying that this happens. I, I, the reason why Hypo was like, it's bullshit, is because they said it was a fumble – and then recovered by Alabama in the end zone, but and he said and he's saying we came away with it. Yeah, and he's saying we came away with it. And it's like so I, I, I might, have no. I might, there's no way you can actually determine who came away, like who had a possession of the ball at the bottom of a pile. What you can determine is who came out of the pile with the ball, and we did. Okay, agreed. Now I, I I'm going to be disliked for saying this, even with my orange colored glasses. I think they made the right call. Now, I agree with you that you cannot determine what's going on at the bottom of the pile, but I've watched way too much football that once the play is basically dead and someone comes in way after and rips it away, and sometimes the guy's like, all right, you can take it. Like, bro, I've been down for 30 seconds. Like, they, the guys already called the whistle or whatever. Like, I'm happy that they called it a fumble because it was a fumble. He had not crossed the goal line yet. But I understood why they said, he laid on it and was on it for what seemed to be a few moments or seconds or whatever. And then, yes, we did go down and take, I think he did recover it and it was a touchdown. And then we went and took it away. So I get Heifel's argument, but seeing it on TV, like I actually do think that they made the right call, whether it was Tennessee or Alabama or not, we can all agree to disagree. You can call me, you know, on the comments an idiot or whatever. That's, that's fine. Like I'm fine with, with agreeing to disagree. Damn it, Dale. I know. Sorry. Anyways, so I was happy with to see the punch out um, and to make those plays and to be scrappy like that. And you asked for it a couple weeks ago, and, and they started to really do it. Um, there were times I thought we got off blocks okay, and there were times I didn't like how we didn't get off blocks. So it was kind of back and forth. Um, I thought Alante made some really nice plays. I thought he – once again, showed some very, very physical, you're giving me a face like you don't think so. I thought some of his night, like in the first possession for them, he came up and made a very nice tackle, very nice hit. Um, yeah, but man, they're, they're, listen, like you said, you the about when he got broke the 50-50 of Alante, like I can't, I can't take it, man. I can't take the 50-50. Yeah, might come up and make a nice tackle on like a swing pass to the running back. But then you get broken off on third and long by Bryce Young. You get just kind of playing soft and not really like beating a block when when they do, you know, a screen to the outside or like a little, you know, wide receiver bubble. And I just – like he was my player to watch. Like I wanted him to step up and I just – in no way did I think that actually happened. 
where it was like, oh, wow, this guy stepped up. Like, I remember that specific play that I'm talking about where he got broke off by Bryce. For some reason, I was looking at him, and I'm like, I'm about to watch him on this play. I'm just going to watch him and see what he does. And he backs up. He gets out of frame. You can't see him anymore, but I know exactly where he is, and I know that there's no wide receivers over there. So as soon as Bryce rolls that way, in my head, I'm like, Alante, come up and make that damn tackle, bro. Shoot your gun. Take him out. He comes in the screen and just and falls on his dang face. And it's honestly the most embarrassing thing ever. I would expect someone like me to get broken off by Bryce Young, but not someone like Alante. Yeah, I, I okay, I get that. And maybe I always, even though he does really frustrate me, he always kind of wins me back in a way because I know he's going to get beat. So if I know he gets beat, when he gets beat, I'm like not mad at him. But I just love how physically he plays sometimes. So maybe maybe it was just early in the game and he was fired up and he needs to continue that through but, the game. But That's- him making that tackle is not a getting beat thing. It's a being physical thing. So if he's good yeah, at no, that – then he should have made that tackle. That's why, like, hey, no, this is what no, you're supposed to be good make, at. That's not true. Bryce Young's a hell of an athlete. You don't make every tackle. Like, you, you just don't. Like, I mean, I mean, yeah, you, you, I know you can make. I, you, I know you can make. You can make 16 tackles in a game, and as a as a linebacker or defense end or whatever, whatever you would call, it, like that's a hell of a game. Well, guess yeah. what? You're still going to remember the two or three that you missed, and the one that was in the backfield that would have been a TFL. Like, you're just not going to make every tackle. Could could he have played it better? Yes, but like that doesn't mean he's going to make every tackle. Anyway, I mean Bryce Young also broke off Beasley pretty bad too. Too yes, he did. So now and that was what yes. So let me let me keep going here. On uh, I actually have that here. Uh, so I thought we did some good coverage on the back end. I was pretty surprised, like you said, we go in some cover one and cover zero. We had freaking Tank McCullough and Trey Flowers on some one on ones. I feel very comfortable with Trey Flowers in one on one or man-to-man, but Tank scares me a little bit. I mean, you know, Jack Jancic 2.0. <laughs> so, anyways, I do have that Beasley and Banks, I thought they took some bad angles and got broke off pretty hard when he – I think Bryce Young scored that first one when he went up the field, uh, but they they just didn't take good angles and they missed the first The first touchdown when Robinson scored, he broke both of them. Like, yeah. broke Beasley and then immediately – broke banks and scored a touchdown. It did not look good for us. Um, Agreed. Let me – okay, let me go through some more of these notes. Okay, Roman Harrison, once again, I get it that he's not your prototypical defensive end um, because he's 230 pounds. I love – the guy, his – when there's a play outside of him on his side, his motor to get to the sideline is unbelievable. And when he gets there, he comes with bad intentions. Yeah, putting, his always, foot, I, putting the foot in the ground and yes. turning and running, insane. Yes, he makes he makes very – like, he will literally be the defense end on one side, and they will throw a hit route or an out route, and he, he will up, be up there making the tackle with the safeties and DBs. So, I love that. Um, they kept that kind of looked like – that kind of looked like a hamstring, which I hope it's not because that can be a very lagging thing. When he got I injured, was, I was hoping it was just a cramp. Yeah, I, but I didn't really see him again, so that's why I was like, "Ah, yeah. oh, crap!" Like I really hope that's not a hamstring. And the fact that he like, if he if it is a hamstring, and he literally like tore his, or you know tweaked his hamstring as he's making a sack, like it's kind of impressive. Yeah, agreed, agreed. 
So, um, let's see. The defense did still a really good job on a couple things, forcing, like, out of halftime, forcing the, the three and out. And then we had a couple in the first half where we held them to the missed field goal. The one thing I will say, I did not like if, – if, if it is a 50-plus yarder, you, I would like to see someone back there to return it. Like, yes, why, I wrote like, it. Why? I wrote it down. I was like, we have yeah. to talk about this. Why is someone not back there? We did it. I mean, Theo was back there, and what? What was that? The pit game. It's like, yes. why? Why didn't we do this this time? Yes, and it was like, and it would have been a perfect return because it dropped three yards short. So the back line, so you're not even have to worry about catching it. I mean, it was been an easy catch. So I didn't like to see that. It should be if I was a coach. I'm saying if it's forty-eight. 47 and back, I'm putting someone back there. Expect, And that also comes with your your scouting of that week because you know what teams have big legs and what teams don't. I mean, hell, for a Tennessee guy who doesn't have a big leg, I mean, if he's trying a 45-yarder, why not put someone back there? So, anyways, it was a good job by the defense. They still made some plays. Um, linebackers, it was probably one of their worst games, but it's just it's tough to play linebacker you know, against a, a mobile quarterback, against a good offense. The thing about Bama that makes them so tough is because when they do hand it off, you have a sledgehammer coming. So I when I played defense, it was like there were times I knew, like, all right, Reed, like – and it was almost like a mindset for me. It was like, all right, this week we need to be athletic. Like, this week we're going to be taking on fast guys. We're going to – you know, I'm going to have a lot of backs in the open field, like on swing routes. Like, let's be athletic this week. Then there were games where I knew we were going to go play, you know, some team, and they just wanted to pound the rock, whether it was triple option, whether it was wing T, whether it was eye formation. And I was like, all right, let's can go, like, bring your big boy pants, like, get ready to take on blocks. Like, personally, I'm not saying other teams need to do this, but the thing about Bama is you got to be ready for both because Bryce Young's going to be dancing around. They got great electric receivers, so you got to be – if you're a safety or a corner or a linebacker, you got to – you got to be ready for both because they sledgehammer you, sledgehammer you, deep shot. And then he'll twinkle toes around there and make, and you're, okay, I'm watching. Is he going to run? No, he throws one over. So it's just really frustrating. And it's like they're the first team that's really done that to us besides Florida. Florida was probably more run and Ole Miss was probably more pass. And, I mean, Pitt didn't really run the ball well on us. So it was like this was more of the sledgehammer and, and spread option. So that's just tough, and I think that's also why it wore us down a little bit more because I will give credit to these linebackers. I do think they do a good job when they know it's pass. They turn and look and find, and that's a very good coaching job by the defensive coordinator and our linebackers but coach because there's a lot of linebackers I even still see in the NFL that when they realize it's pass, they get kind of lazy in their depth and they'll kind of look in front of them. They don't turn around and find somebody. And, and that's yeah. one thing I really, I really respect because it's a tough thing to do as a linebacker. Um, Early on, though, the front seven, whether it was a defensive line or or the linebackers or whatever, and the safety, the secondary coming up, we we did a very nice job in that first half, not letting them really run on us, and that was something I was impressed about. Whether it was Matthew Butler, whether it was Latrell Bumpus, whether it was Amari Thomas, Roman Harrison, Byron Young, Tyler Barron, like whoever, like there was all these, they were all coming up and flashing, um, and so I like to see that and. The, they were tired, and it was when you get tired, those runs that you stop at one or two go to four or five and six, and then when you're tired, your rush isn't as good. And mm -hmm. remember when I was telling you after I saw Tyler Barron do this? Well, the next play or two plays later, 
Bryce Young stands back there for a few minutes and and, and completes a pass. The play of the game for them offensively was when we go and score. It's a seven-point game. We take the momentum. It's third and 15, and they design up something that's really good. It's what I'm not saying it's the same play they did in the national championship game, but it looked a hell of a lot like it when they played. There might have been, the, I don't know if it's the uh, national championship or the uh, playoff, but they played Ohio State. And they put Devontae Smith, if you're on, on YouTube, you're watching me, Devontae Smith's in the slot and they just carry him across the field. It's not a pose, it's not a drag, it's just kind of just across the field and, and tough Borland, who was the linebacker for Ohio state tried to carry and do what he's supposed to do. He just can't run with Devontae Smith. And last right. night what they did is they put their guy in. He was either the third receiver. Williams. I think they had three receivers. So he was the third receiver in. So he's, you know, way inside and they cross. Well, Aaron Beasley does a good job to try to cover and run with nice. him. He, he's not fast enough. And what, and, and everyone's like, and one of my buddies is like, why do we only have one high safety? We didn't have one high safety. We had two high safeties. But Trey Flowers, once again, if you're watching on YouTube, Trey Flowers is sitting at his depth. But the reason that he doesn't peel off to take that is because he has a deep dig. So when the deep dig from the outside receiver comes in, he sees it, so he kind of sits. It's just a good play design. It's just, it's just like NFL runs it, college football teams run it. We run it at UT, so it's like they just got us. It was it was a great play call. They needed something at third and 15, and they got it. And I don't know what defense we were in either, but that was a good job. But anyways, to wrap it up, I would have loved to have seen us not throw that pick just so that we could have scored and kind of kept it behind them, you know, stay only one store behind them because I do think that energized the defense. Like, come on, just one more stop, one more stop. Let's get the offense back, the ball back to our offense. Um let me scan just real quick. Give me two seconds of dead time. I just want to make sure I'm not yeah, missing anything. Sure. Get some, let's um, see. I think honestly, one thing too, I was I was surprised with how well that Bryce Young can run that they didn't call design quarterback runs. With how much success Ole Miss had with that, I'm very surprised they didn't do it versus us because I mean, they could have taken advantage of it. Like, I feel like teams moving forward that we're going to play could easily just watch that old Miss tape and be like, okay, like if we, you know, if we dial this up in the right time at the, at the right moment and get the good, like we can really take advantage of that. So I don't know if they just thought, hey, look, they've seen it now. We can't really do that. Or like I said earlier, Bryce hasn't really been a runner this year. Yeah. All right. No, he – and I don't think they need to run him, to be honest with you. I really don't. One of those ones that the one we were talking about where Banks and Beasley took bad angles, we dropped eight, and we got a little pressure with three, which is what Bama did to us. They dropped eight, and Hendon got very skittish way too early and stepped up in the pocket and, and got tackled. And, I, and that's fine. If you're a quarterback – I've never been a quarterback, so when I step back and I see – holy moly, like, they're swamping everywhere. Like, I get it. Like, you're like, okay, crap. And then you try to take off a run. But I wish he would have held on a little bit more. But that was what we did. And that's why Bryce Young was sitting back there, sitting back there. And he's like, well, F it. And so he steps up, breaks both of our linebackers off, and gets a run. And then the other run that he had around the uh, side, he's standing back there chilling. Jay Blakely goes in to try to make a move in a sack, and he dips right around him, and there's no contain. But I'll finish with this. If this UT team, if this UT team played in the ACC, the Pac-10, 
or Pac-12, whatever, or the Big 12, I think we maybe only have one or like one or two losses, honestly, because that's how much I trust Heifel, and that's how much, even though we don't have depth, I still trust the talent that we have, Dude. you know, on the team. And so it's throw like, the big, hey, throw the Big Ten in there. Freaking right. game, Penn State versus Illinois, Illinois with nine overtimes. They scored freaking 20 points. I'm telling you, I hope we make it to bowl game so that we get an Iowa or Penn State or somebody else that is supposed to be pretty good. Like, they, 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 they cut away last night during the game to the Notre Dame and USC game. Yeah. And Notre Dame still ranked 13th because they're always preseason ranked so high and everyone they're – not, they're not good. I was like, if we could be playing – Notre Dame tonight, and they're 13th in the country up there. I was like, I would probably bet on Tennessee to win. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, so I can't wait till we get to a bowl game. But the fact of the, and I'm like, all right, Bama's in the West. Like, if we don't have them as a, as a freaking lame old rival, like in last night we were playing Texas AM, like Texas AM's still a good team, but I would love to see how we fare against them because of how we've done against Pitt, who's probably going to win the ACC, how we've done against Ole Miss, who I think is a very good team. How we've done against Florida, I'll say I'll say this to finish it up. I honestly think we have only been beaten one and a half times. We lost. We 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 lost. We we lost the game to Pitt. Yeah. I think we lost the game to to Ole Miss in a way. Honestly, I, I know they're very good, and I know as an Ole Miss fan, they would be like read your like an Ole Miss fan, like read your nitty, like we control the game the whole time and all that. But we saw the chance to win correct. the game, and, and that's what I'm going to go to. And yeah. we got our, and our quarterback wasn't in, and then the Florida game. Florida beat us, but if Callaway catches that, so I'm going to take a half, like I'll take a little half point sliver from from Ole Miss, and a little maybe half point sliver from Florida. So maybe two games, but it, the half and half. I really think that Bama's the only team that's like they're just they're better than us, like. They beat us. We didn't play well enough. And even if we played well enough, it would have still been hard to yeah. beat them. Like, I just – I'm really impressed. I'm telling you, if this team was playing in another another conference, they would be ranked and they would be – they would be a very – their record would be a lot different than it is now. I agree. I agree. And I'm super excited for this bye week. We're going to brainstorm about what we're going to talk about. Oh, I already know what we're going to talk about. Don't obviously, worry, we're not playing. But I'll tell you what, this team right here, we're going to beat Kentucky. There ain't no doubt in my mind. We're going to beat – we're going to beat Kentucky. Are you serious? I, I'm serious. If You're we not, play like, like we did – if we like play like we did versus Alabama, we will beat Kentucky. There's no doubt in my mind. No doubt. I, I want this game so bad. I, I told you folks I wanted the Ole Miss one bad, and I did. I really want this one too, like – those two games, the two the two most important games of the year, and I never even thought we would have a chance against Ole Miss going into the year. So I was like, "Give me Kentucky, like let's handle business." Like the fact that we get a bye week, I am so happy because let the coaches scheme, give them some extra time, let the boys get healthy, and let's go up there and let's. And I think they play in our hands well. I really, really do. We're gonna trouble with their defensive line and their front seven. But I think they're going to have a lot harder time running the ball against us than they expect. And and just for the folks, next week's pod will be good because I think we'll tell some good stories. I think we'll we'll bring back some stories. We'll bring back the big orange juice now that we have a, a numbers 
our number of following is better. So people hear the big orange juice and then we'll talk a little bit about Kentucky. Anyways, great pod. I appreciate it. Heck yeah. Awesome pod. Kept it right about an hour and a half. So a little bit better this time. Um, Thank you guys for watching, listening, you know, whether you're on the podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, or watching on YouTube. I know (laughs) I had some technical difficulties last week uh, putting out the YouTube on time, but I promise I'll put it out on Wednesday. Um, But I appreciate your guys' following. And um, if you guys want to contact us, please reach out. Got an email at believeintennesseefootball at gmail.com. Have a phone number, 865-322-9232. Or honestly, comment. You know, send us a DM uh, on social media. I'm at Kyler Kerbison, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At rbacon26 on Twitter for Reed. Um, uh, at Believe in Tennessee on Twitter for our, our main account. So please reach out if you have any questions or just want to say hi and you're doing a good job because it means the world to us. So very much appreciate all the support. Um, and cannot wait to just keep giving you guys content. Uh, as always. Go Vols. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.